Welcome to the 70th episode of It Wasn't Me, a true crime podcast where we chat about murder. I am Cindy. And I'm Mercedes. Thank you so much for listening to last week's episode when Chaz and I discussed the murders of Drew Cataldi and Trisha Nordman by Rick Cole and his supposed mastermind girlfriend, Sarah Pender. Forewarning, our show is often horrifying and graphic, and we will use offensive language. So if you have kids, put them away for a while and join us for a murder. Also, we are passionate and always have been about true crime, but we must warn you, we will make jokes and we will laugh sometimes obnoxiously during this podcast. <laughs> Want to learn more about us? Visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com to find links to our social media pages. We drop a new episode every Friday morning, so be sure to, to subscribe so that you don't miss out. Thanks for listening. And if you are even slightly entertained by our Southern charm, please leave us a five-star rating along with a comment. And if you think we suck, that's okay. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think we need to do to improve. And if you like us, spread the word and recommend our podcast to your friends and family. And if you hate us, let your enemies know. <laughs> I'm so Sorry, glad to have you back. I know. Did you miss me? I did. I did. But you know, it was nice doing it with Chaz. I bet. Yeah. It's nice to have him step in every now and then. You know, I wonder if people are listening right now going, oh, damn, the dumb bitch is back. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think at first he was, but then I think, you know, he's like, no, I said, well, you need, you have to do a research. You have to research a murder, you know? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, well, that's okay. I'll just step in when Cindy needs me to. <laughs> okay. It's like a homework assignment he's not ready to do yet, right? <laughs> no, but we, you know what he did? He was really, he did a really good job, I think. Um, he, yeah. he, he, you know, he opened up a little bit, but you know, he's still a little, he's still a little microphone shy, maybe not, not sure how, what to say, but last week you missed it. I hope you listened. Did you listen? Not yet. Episode 69, episode 69. I could not do that joke with him. So there were no like, Oh, episode 69. No, <laughs> yeah, we didn't do that. Um, anyway, yeah. Anyway, um, he said, you know, the, the way that this murder unfolded and the girl, the girlfriend, Sarah Pinder, you'll have to go back and listen. Mm -hmm. He said it unfolded like a plot. Like it would have been a perfect plot for a movie. And I said, oh, well, I'm glad that you said that because it was made into a movie, a lifetime movie, but I could not remember the name of it. Mm -hmm. And so I looked it up and it was called, she made them do it. And it sounds rather dramatic. I mean, I haven't seen it, but yeah. also last week, I just want to clarify that Scott Spitler, the guard who um, who helped her escape, supposedly was expecting to be paid for that. So, um, you know, her I forgot to mention that there were what was his last little, name. What was her last name? The, the guard's last name. Spitler. Bitler. Spit like like Spitler. oh like bit like Hitler with a B. Yes, Hitler with an S P. Oh S P. Okay. Spitler. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I just want to clarify that. So, well, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you're back. I hope everything's okay. Yeah, well, you know. Well, I'm not going to put you on the spot to talk about it. <laughs> anyway. So I will tell you over the week, um, you know how I'm always talking about my friend that was murdered. Yes. Um, so, and I, and I talk about how his murderer was only 17 and a half years old and how he gets, he, I went to the resentencing hearing. Well, it's been five years. Right. So, and this is the one where the guy who murdered him was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And then the Supreme court said, 
you have to reevaluate the sentence every five years if they were under 18. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he got his resentencing the first time and he was from life without parole to 50 years. Okay. And he has served, I think we calculated he's, he, um, he has served 25 years, 25 years. He has been in prison for 25 years. And so now 20 years at that time. So now every five years he gets a resentencing. So really, and the resentencing really is, it's not a, a short process because they do, they go through the hearing and it's like, they pull out all the evidence. They show the evidence and the pictures and everything of, you know, right there. And it's like, they're testifying all over. It's like, you know, the sentencing hearing all over again. Yes. And, um, and it took last time it took the judge quite a while. Um, it took the judge, you know, I would say over six months last time to resentence him. And there's like this checklist. And I remember he went down, he was like, okay, they take into account if they've had, you know, if they were abused as a kid, if they're sexually abused, if they were right. mitigating factors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the only thing that they could come to that he, uh, he hadn't come from a bad home. He hadn't been abused. He hadn't been in trouble in prison, but they weren't, it was like, they did, they just couldn't, I guess he didn't fit the definition of depraved, but they stopped counting the bullet holes in my friend at 16 Mm. because he was shot with two different guns, 13 to 16 times. He tied them up, dragged them down a dirt road behind his truck, and then set them on fire. So I don't know how that doesn't fit the description of depraved, but I think he deserves to sit his ass in jail for the rest of his natural life. Well, hopefully he will. I just don't think that my friend's parents, like they could still be walking this earth when this guy gets out of jail so I just I really you know I hope that if he does get out of jail that it's after that yeah yeah I mean but he could come back to you know where we live be walking the streets first of all you'll be surprised how many murderers oh I know are walking the streets oh yeah and I don't think that that's um unreasonable to ask that he stay in prison at least until your friend's parents have passed yeah. I don't believe that's unreasonable at all. I mean, how, how old are they? I mean, they're probably my parents' age. So okay, between 65 and 75, maybe, you know. So they can live 25 more years mm-hmm. and that would be his 50-year sentence. Yep. I don't yeah. think that's unreasonable. I don't either. I just... Uh... Well, you'll have to definitely keep us updated on that so that we can send out good vibes and prayers and all that to his family. And it's like week after next. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, anyway, are you ready for a um, super twisted tale? Let's do it. Okay. Now this is going to be a two-parter. You know, I'm good with that. I know. I know. I was breaking your heart today when I told you. Um, it, it's just super, it's a lot to take it. And I did Google a word from work. Okay. And no one came out of the rafters to arrest me. So, um, I'll tell you that word when we get there. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. So I know you wonder how I come up with my titles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I got this one from the media. 
Okay. <laughs> the media dubbed this one the Morehouse Murders because the murders took place at the home of David and Catherine Burney, which okay. was 3 Morehouse Street, Willoughby, Australia. Willoughby. Okay. Did I say that right? I have no idea. Willoughby, Willoughby. Well, how? Yeah, I don't know. Willoughby. Okay. I meant to look it up. Sorry. I forgot. It's okay. So it takes place in Australia. We haven't done one there before. I always have, I'm always afraid that I'm going to have already done one and not remember. Isn't that awful? Or, you know, like I was listening to a podcast mm-hmm. that I swear, okay, so, you know, my favorite, po- my, you know, yeah, the podcast we love. Uh-huh. That I think that they did it, but when you hear somebody else doing it, like, you're like, wait a minute, did I hear this on, <laughs> uh, did the guys tell this story or? I know, right? Because it's totally different when other people say, you know, do it. And then I'm like, well, did I do this podcast? I don't know. Like, I know the story. Why? Why do I know the story? Where do it feels like super close? And I know the story, like the green duffel bag and <laughs> right. But Australia, okay. So that's yes, where we that are. We're in Australia. So Willoughby, I'm gonna go that that it's Willoughby because go like Willoughby. It. You know that yeah. sort of thing. Okay. The Willoughby is a suburb of Perth. Please correct us if we're wrong. Oh, I'm, sh- I'm you know, okay. maybe. <laughs> uh, so Willoughby is a suburb of Perth, okay, which is in the western part of Australia and is the fourth populous city in the country. So this is not a small place. Uh-uh. And at like now, I guess you would say it has about 2.1 million people living there. Okay. Now our story takes place in the 80s. All right. All right. So there was so much going on with this. I was like, where do I begin? So I'm just going to give you the backstory of who the Bernies are. I'm going to start there. And I have to actually start with David's parents. So, well, I'm going to start with David being born. David John Bernie was born February 16th, 1951. He was the oldest of five children. And they lived in a suburb of Perth called Waddle Grove. Waddle Grove. Until he was like, I say 15 or so years, it was, uh, I think more like 13 or 14 before they moved to just a different suburb of the same area. Before moving, before the family moved, they attended this um, Waddle Grove Baptist Church and the members of the church and friends from school. So when he was a friend, you know, when he was little in school would later remember the family as dysfunctional. That does not even even begin to explain <laughs> the rumors were about the pros, um, the pro- oh my God, I know how to say this word, promiscuity. Basically, there were rumors. No, I know what it means. But they were promiscuous. Yes, yes, prom- promiscuous. I can't. Promiscuity. Yeah, I can't make that with my lip. <laughs> so the family was promiscuous. Anyway, they slept around a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. Alcoholism and even engaged in incest. Okay. So first of all, you have to address the rumors at the Baptist church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Not that I think that it has anything to do with being a Baptist church, but just rumors, well, period. It's always a Baptist church. No, stop that right now. Different thing with the Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just teasing everyone. So these were the rumors. Okay. All right. Which would explain maybe why they chose to move later. Right. That's what I, that's what I, I said, no wonder they moved out of town in the early sixties. Right. This is the early sixties. And these are the rumors. 
So when David moved to this new town, this is where he met Catherine. So, I mean, they were very young when they met. All right, so let's backtrack just a hot second here. So when David's parents asked a local, now this says a local priest. So there was, you know, I'm kind of, you know how it is. I got to go from article to article and some stuff has juicy stuff. Some stuff has, you know, just more detail. So before, when David's parents started to, wanted to get married, are you reading ahead? Don't read ahead. I'm not reading ahead, but I'm just like thinking, okay, so we have the Baptist and now we have the Catholics. Now we, yes. <laughs> okay. I'm confused, but it's okay. I'm so this priest, this preacher. All right. He expressed his concerns about them as individuals. They asked him to like perform at their, their wedding, to mm -hmm. perform their wedding, to marry them. Mm -hmm. He expressed concerns um, about them as individuals as a potential couple and oh, broadly wow. stating that he felt their union could never lead to any good. <laughs> really? Wow. This, this is not a singing endorsement to get married. An unusual and unseemingly unsuited pair. The father was a man of very small stature and unattractive in appearance, while the mother was known for her coarse manner use of profanities and bad behavior often oh, exchange wait wait often exchanging sexual favors with taxi drivers as payment for fares okay well i don't do that but i am profane sometimes i use bad language i am kind of coarse sometimes and oh, i'm always a good girl <laughs> oh man i can't believe I, I can't believe that they would even want to get married at a church when people are talking about them like that and the dude is small his dad is small and ugly. all right so david's in this new neighborhood he's in this new little area he's about the age of 15 when he up and decides i'm gonna leave school to become an apprentice as a jockey well he's little right you say he's small well the dad is small so yeah maybe he's really small okay. too i didn't even think about that so at the ascot race course which is obviously horses. I looked it up just to verify. You know, I didn't know if maybe they had jockeys for something else. Mm -hmm. So during his time as this apprentice, he was known to be cruel towards the horses and became quite the exhibitionist. Does that mean that he likes to show his, uh, his privates? Like, oh, like, like that stereotypical old man that would open his black raincoat oh, that's what i said i was like what do you think that means mercedes i'm pretty sure that's what that means was he having his way with the animals was he beating the animals and then having no, his way with the having his way or... with animals is bestiality <laughs> okay so I, I i do have to say because i wasn't sure i mean that's bestiality you're right but i was like does this mean you know does he doing something with the animals because like i once saw the the manhood of clydesdale and that was fucking frightening <laughs> <laughs> really i mean wait does the clyde still have a manhood oh <laughs> <laughs> we went to bush gardens and okay. it was like it was a head rocket right out there i mean it was huge <laughs> oh God, that is gross it was so gross, it was so gross. <laughs> okay all right so this guy is an exhibitionist and we got there Okay, I'm going to look so, that up so you can do. <laughs> so this also was around the same time that he broke into a woman, an elderly woman's home, 
with a stocking over his head and committed his first rape. Oh my. As he aged, he would spend time in and out of jail and he was often convicted for misdemeanors and various felonies. Okay, this is, so I looked up exhibitionism. It's extravagant behavior that is intended to attract attention to oneself. And then it's got psychiatry, a mental condition characterized by the compulsion to display one's genitals in public. Oh, that Clydesdale. <laughs> that Clydesdale was quite the exhibitionist. <laughs> Please use exhibitionist correctly in a sentence. At Clydesdale. <laughs> a Clydesdale one time at Bush Gardens. <laughs> That's quite the exhibitionist. Oh, but we digress. Okay, so he breaks into an elderly woman's home with a stocking on his head. Okay. Yes. And at this point, about is he about still a teenager at this time? Yeah, he's like, I mean, he's well, he was the apprentice. I'm not real sure like exactly how old he was at this time. It was just around the same time. As an adult, he became known for a sex and pornography addiction and paraphiliac. Please do tell. I oh, don't. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you. Don't Google that from work. I don't want to. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Stop. Okay. Para- paraphilia is a condition right. characterized by abnormal sexual desires typically involving extreme or dangerous activities. According to Wikipedia, it is an experience of intense arousal to atypical objects, situations, fantasies, behaviors, or individuals. So would this be like the guy on TLC's My Weird Addictions who was in love with his car and would have fornicate with its tailpipe? Mm, I would say yes. Well, the DSM-5 has eight paraphiliac disorders listed with sub classifications as well oh wow the american journal on psychiatry described it as recurrent intense sexual arousing fantasies sexual urges or behaviors generally involving the following non-human objects the suffering or humiliation of oneself or partner children non-consenting person deviant that's what he is but sexual deviants are those are so is it saying that somebody who has that has all what has all of those urges or behaviors generally involving the, these things because i mean people who like children that's a pedophile right but maybe like a non-consenting have, person would be a rapist uh, okay but Ooh. maybe it's like and this know. is just still kind of a kid or a very young adult all right. Again, deviant. Well, but something made him like that, right? I mean, he came from a dysfunctional family. Was he uh, was he abused as a child sexually or anything? Okay. I mean, not that that's an excuse at all. I'm just yeah. saying that it would maybe explain that behavior. Maybe. So somehow this man ended up married mm-hmm. by his early 20s to a woman named Carrie, and they would have a daughter named Tanya or Tanya. Okay. I could go either way. Uh, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Yeah. So back to David. I would like, we'll come back to him. But now okay. I want to introduce you to Margaret. Margaret, or Catherine Margaret. Catherine Margaret Bernie. However, she was born Catherine Margaret Harrison. 
May 23rd, 1951. She was two years old when her mother, Doreen, died while giving birth to her brother, who died two years later. Oh, my gosh. No, two, two days. days late. Oh, two wow. days later. Well, the father was unable to care for young Catherine. He was probably distraught, all of the above. So he sent her to live with her mother's parents, so her grandparents, her maternal grandparents. When Catherine was 10 years old, Harold gained sole custody after a custody dispute battle with the grandparent. Okay. Don't know what it was over. Or, so he, she goes to live with her dad. Okay. Yeah. Cause you said he was unable to care for her. So he yeah. sent her, I mean, yeah. did he send her there? And then, you know, maybe he got his shit together and wanted her back. Yeah. So remember I told you that David and Catherine met in the early sixties. Yes. Well, Harold absolutely did not approve of this relationship. I mean, so much that he was begging his daughter, who was only about 14 when they, they met when she was like 12, 13, somewhere in there. So they were younger than the 15 originally said. Mm -hmm. So they were 14 when they became, when they started having a relationship. Harold was begging Catherine to forget about David because he was getting her in trouble. Well, the more he begged, the more it was like, the more you say, no, you can't do this. I mean, whatever it's, it's gonna be yeah when somebody falls in love like that they're not gonna listen to their parents usually so the disapproval the disapproval from her dad only made them want each other more and these two were like on a first name basis with the local police at this point because they were just always getting in trouble well Catherine was also would become a person who was in and out of jail because of her dealings with him now I attempted to find out like her jail or prison record, but I was mm-hmm. having some difficulty. Um, but the uh, article that I got this information from said that she went to prison because of um, her getting in trouble with David. And this so actually- they would go her. and do crimes together or whatever. And so she was yeah. implicated in something. Okay. Yes. Not because but, they fought and sh- domestic violence or yeah. anything. Like that. No, they were like, you know, stealing stuff and I assume stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, this actually gave her a break from David and a parole officer encouraged Catherine to take this housekeeping job with a local um, family by the name of McLaughlin. Okay. So she did, she took this as a house, you know, job as a housekeeper. Well, by her 21st birthday, she actually on her 21st birthday, she married one of the family members, David McLaughlin. Uh-oh. Donald, excuse me, Donald McLean. Okay. Donald and Catherine would go on to have seven children. Seven. Okay. Unfortunately, the first one, the first son. Okay, and this is kind of confusing to me. And when I say it, you'll you'll know why. Unfortunately, the firstborn son was struck by a car and killed as an infant. What? <laughs> I mean, what do you I... do? Set your kid in the middle of the street? I know. I know. I was like, why? I have questions. I don't understand. Well, I don't want to like, okay. So I have a, I have an old, old friend. I mean, like we were friends when we were much younger, but I have not talked to them, to him or her since this incident, but their little girl was probably about two or three. She was on a tricycle mm-hmm. and rode behind the car mm-hmm. and the dad ended up running over her and killing her. Yeah, that happens a lot. And 
you know that their marriage of course disintegrated it, it just it didn't last through that and mm-hmm. I mean just the saddest thing ever like they were never the same mm-hmm. I, I think I ran into him a few years later and that's how I learned that they broke up and he's mm-hmm. actually the one that told me what happened I'm like oh my gosh you know that's he terrible. lives with that Ugh, I, yeah I, I can't imagine but yeah so do you ever find out how that happened no I did not really try okay so i I have to ask so obviously she did not end up marrying david she got in trouble with him a lot but did they ever marry well i'm gonna tell you okay Okay. so by night because she goes to jail she comes out and she marries donald so where's david in the meantime just off doing his own thing going to jail doing you know all right so they kind of like well he got married too though but so david gets married too remember he has he got married to the carrie they have tanya they're you know so it's kind of coming back together now. Yes. Okay. I see. In 1985, she left Donald and the kids okay. to go live with David. Mm-hmm. So while David and Catherine were never legally married, she did change her name to Bernie by a deed poll. I did look that up. It's basically just a form for changing your name. Okay. Like a common law relationship yeah. type. Okay. And she just, you know, requested to have her name changed. So it was around, you know, late 1986, and the the couple had been practicing how to make their sexual fantasies of rape and murder come true. Okay, so I have actually maybe I've heard of this couple before. There, I think there is some shows, and there was. I lots know that of there's podcasts. a couple in Canada where she ends up like giving her little sister. Oh yeah, that lady's out of jail. Yeah, she just got out of jail, mm-hmm. but. And she's the same one from like, um, don't the preppy murders. No, that might be the preppy murders. No, that's the, there's, there is a name for it, but yeah, this reminds me of that. It's that type of killer, that Mm -hmm. killer couple. All right. Oh, so on October 6th, 1986, 22 year old Mary Nielsen met David at his job at a junkyard. She was in search of tires and David told her that he could sell her some that he had at his house for a better price. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. Mary went to his home and almost immediately after entering the house, she was grabbed at knife point, bound, gagged, and chained to a bed. Now I realize being tied to a bed, being chained to a bed, it's just as bad. But to me, chained to a bed does seem worse. Yeah. There's something about chains just. There's something about this whole thing. Oh, so Catherine watched as David repeatedly raped this poor girl. She would ask questions about how it was turning him on. Like, okay. she just like, was she taking notes? Did she have like a notepad out? So David, how does, you know, I mean, I don't understand. So Catherine is apparently just as fucked up. They would then take poor Mary to the Glen Eagles National Park or David would rape Mary again. And before strangling her with a nylon cord and stabbing her through the heart. Hmm. This idiot thought stabbing her in the heart would speed up decomposition. He said he read it somewhere. Huh. Um, so the, this piece of shit couple would leave her in a shallow grave and go on with their day. Okay. Mary was a psychology major at the University of West Australia and worked part-time at a deli. She would have graduated around about a year later had she not been murdered. Oh my gosh. I know, it's terrible. 
um, yeah, that is, I, I, I don't even have the words for it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. That's why another reason why I wanted to, um, break it up into two episodes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely heavy. <clears throat> so 14 days later okay. on October 20th, the Bernies abducted a 15 year old girl, Susanna Candy, while she was hitchhiking along the Sterling highway in Claremont, Australia. All right. But this is the eighties and people were hitchhiking all over everywhere. Yes. Susanna or Susanna, Susanna was a stellar student at Hollywood Senior High School and lived at home with her parents and siblings in Nedlands, Australia. Again, almost immediately after stepping into the vehicle, she was held at gunpoint. Her hands were bound. She was taken back to their house. At gunpoint or knife point? Did I say gunpoint? Knife. Get a knife. Okay. Knife point. Okay. They made her write letters to her family. Oh stating that she had run away to Queensland with her friends. She was then gagged and chained to that damn bed again. And then after David repeatedly raped this poor girl, Lord knows only how many times, Catherine got into bed with him. David would attempt to strangle Susanna, but she became hysterical, you think? And so he was unable to really, I guess, get a good grip. So the couple forced her to take sleeping pills. So they shoved them down her throat. And once she fell asleep, David slipped the nylon cord around her neck. And while Catherine tightened it until Susanna stopped breathing. Later, supposedly, Catherine would, um, would say that she was told to prove her love to David by murdering the girl. Mm -hmm. I'm not super sure that I even remotely believe that no I don't I no. think she was just she was right in there enjoying it just like he was yeah she was just as twist, twisted and demented as him so this poor girl the Bernies would bury Susanna in a shallow grave at the state forest park near the grave of Mary Nielsen wow so but they weren't these two were really busy and they wouldn't wait long before killing again so where do they take Susanna? Do they take her back to their house, to the yes. same house where they killed Mary? Yeah. All right. So, so I'm guessing that there's some sort of search on for Mary at this time, but would they even know to go to the junk junkyard to ask any questions there? Who knows? But I am going to leave you with that. Oh, mm, no jokes before we go to yeah. You know, so I'm going to do that and. Um, Ooh, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to take, I'm going to, um, gosh, I can hear what's his name from Criminal Minds, a real smart guy. What's the smart guy? What's his name? The, um, Spencer? Yes. Like, mm -hmm. I can hear him talking about this. Spencer Reed. I can hear him like talking about the, um, the, like the couple relationships and the mm -hmm. dynamic between the two. Yep. interesting i'm gonna definitely look up that type of killer like i it's called something when it's a boy uh, uh, yeah like a lover type like a killer couple or killer. whatever yeah thank you wow okay well i'm eager to hear more absolutely and there is a and there is a lot more because there's okay. a, a there's a few more victims and um, uh, oh okay mm. so these are no what would you call these these is this a serial killer couple yeah. or mm -hmm. yeah 
Ooh, well, thanks, Cindy. It was so lovely to see your face this week. Thank you. Yeah. And thank everyone out there for joining us again this week. We appreciate sharing our passion with you and we thank you for your support. If you'd like to support us even further, please consider subscribing to our podcast and giving us a five-star rating and a comment. Your subscription and ratings are essential to our success. You can do this on your favorite platform. And for more information and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages, visit our website at itwasn'tmetruecrime.com. Please recommend It Wasn't Me to your true crime loving friends and family. Also, thank you to our Patreon supporters. You are the extra. You too can become one of our beloved patrons by signing up at patreon.com forward slash it wasn't me pod. And remember guys. Thank you so it much. Wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.